Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done great things. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. What is going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Hanging out on a Friday. It is Masters Friday. A uh, ton of golf. We're going to get to a lot of that. Can't wait because uh, it was a great first opening day. ton of different storylines are developing uh, in Augusta. ton of fun to, uh, to talk about that. We'll even uh, take some look-ins, do some highlights of that as what's going on right before us. A little bit of rain. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous about the weather. I think that affects the earlier rounds more or the later rounds more? Uh, I think it depends because I think it's so hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Like when does the bigger rain come in? Obviously, softer greens will help everybody because they're not as fast. Yes. Get that type of weather. It's, it's, it's supposed to be It's a rain. Is it a... I think it's supposed to be off and on. Uh, like. Yeah. Uh, so stop that is hit start. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the, the Masters a lot. Um, uh, Sacramento has fired their head coach. What does that mean for the future of that organization? Who could be some potential good hires there? And Nick Bosa out of Ohio State is not tweeting his opinions. Anymore? What do you think of that? Anymore. Yes, he did earlier sure. in his uh, in his uh, youthfulness, yeah. but he's not anymore. We'll tell you what you think of that uh, and more next coming up. All right, let's get to it, though. The Masters was on. Yeah. You dialed in? What? Of course. Uh, just, I watched every Tiger Stroke, and then then life caught up with me. I had, I had the time. <laughs> All right. I only but get so, so many then you hours missed a lot because the end. I actually, so I watched. I watched pretty much start to finish. My six year old was sick, uh-huh. so she was at home, and uh, she actually was watching with me. She was kind of like napping and watching it, but I ended up watching with her. Yeah. So I watched it all the way up to the end. I thought it actually got way better at the end, right? Because earlier you had a lot of guys two under, three under, and not, I was a little bit irritated though, to be honest with you, because I had a bet. That the low, the opening score would be under 65 and a half. Yeah. Where they get to six Late, under. They got to six under, but two chances. It's hard to get a bad beat in golf, but I thought there was a, there was a bad beat. So, uh, Bryson DeChambeau is coming on the 18th hole. Mm-hmm. His approach shot hits the pin. It should have gone in. Oh, and, and like I saw that. One inch. It doesn't go in. If he, he would have shot 65 with that. Right. Then Brooks Kepka, my buddy. He had like a 12-footer for birdie on the 18th hole. If he makes that, he goes to 65. Would have won my bet. He doesn't. Still, those two dudes on the leaderboard, they don't care about my bet. Crazy how they get that number just spot on like that. It is. It's incredible. I thought they had no chance because the early groups, when they went out, they're in there two or three under, like we were talking about. But I, I don't know if the greens were becoming more receptive the pin placements were much harder than people thought. Cause I think people thought rain earlier in the week, slow down the greens, mm-hmm. and then they would be able to, you know, light it up. People would be shooting at pins, but they, they did place some pins in tougher placements so that the guys did, the scores weren't there, but that didn't affect some of the leaders, uh, at the top of the board. Yeah. That was interesting to me because by all accounts, it had rained a little earlier in the week. And so, you know, the wind was picking up throughout Tiger's round. So I thought, if anything, those two unders, three unders would have been, you know, they would have stood the test of time, at least yesterday, because you would think with the wind, um, it would be drying out and the later, the later parents in the afternoon would have had a little bit slicker, of course, you know? Oh, for so, sure. You know, I, it was surprising for me to come back to the TV last night. And, you know, obviously I want to know where Tiger is on the leaderboard to see six unders put up six and fives. You know, that was interesting. Phil we, Mickelson with five under. We have an outstanding leaderboard. Like this is kind of like golf. It's like superstardom at its mm-hmm. best. You got Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka at the top. Phil Mickelson is at five under. Ian Poulter, big name, four under. Dustin Johnson, four under. 
You want to take a shot at your boy? Kiradesh. Barnrot. Off a Barnrot. Is that three under? Kevin Kisner, uh, three under. And then you got, then it kind of goes, you know, Adam Scott, John Rom. The leaderboard is insane. You know what? I shouldn't have been so surprised though, now that I think about it. Cause watching Tiger and John, like John Rom didn't even, he didn't birdie a par five. Right. And he was three under. Right. Tiger missed, missed a bunch a, of putts. Could have, was both of them could have been, uh, six, five, somewhere in and about. You know what I mean? Right. If you're Tiger Woods, are you, because while I was watching his round play out, I'm like, all right, he's missed a couple of putts, but he's got to be happy with mm-hmm. two under. What do you think he's thinking last uh, night while he's sleeping? I think he's okay. Yeah. I think, he's, I think he probably feels, you know, he's mixed emotions. Feel, feels pretty cool about the way he played. Um, was obviously looked real comfortable, uh, with the driver. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, you know, missed, missed some putts that are un, untiger like and probably felt like he left a few shots out there, but. I think with, you're within four strokes after day one, um, not really having played a whole lot of golf this year. I think he's got to feel all right about that. I think he's thrilled. When he finished the round, I was like, he's got to be super pumped. You can take a lot of that weight off your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Hasn't played there in the great, in the first rounds that great since he used to win when he, you know, he shot 70 and 97, 2001, uh, had it, but he did, although in 2005, the last time he won, he did shoot a 74 in the opening round, uh, when he actually I- won that, but there's a mental, I can do this, those putts, if I just make those, I'm at five, six under, maybe I'm in the lead, I can get those back today, I can make those. I think he's got to be in a great mindset. What's the par five? So I was really, the the par five, was it 15? 13 and 15. 13's the one where you come and you have to get it to the hill and then you go over the water. 15 is like a par four. He went long on both of those. He left it up on the top of the hill on on 13. Yep, and And then then airmailed it. Airmailed it on 15. And I really felt like saving the par, even though his, his little baby flop where he couldn't really commit to whether he was going to kind of chip in or flop in. Yeah, that was scary. <laughs> but, uh, you know, winded up saving the bogey on that. What Did he bogey or did he par it? No, he parred that He parred one. it. Winded up saving the par on that. But uh, it felt, I, I guarantee for him, it probably did feel like a bogey because... It was a tough two-putt when he left it on the hill. Right, right. Or chip and putt, whatever Right, but did. I think he was bummed about his chip up. When he left it short... Oh, yeah, it had to be. A, that's where I think for him, it probably felt like a birdie. And for the field, I think that's a very birdieable hole. When you see, like, when you get to that stretch, you're like, all right, this is where I make my Correct. head. Correct. But avoiding a complete disaster on that hole, cause like, you saw Henrik Stenson, right, on 13. Yeah. Yeah, it's disaster. You're, right. You're, you know, you can't yeah, have that. Right. Now, I felt like Tiger, after he navigated that hole, it was the only real, real hiccup on the day. And he, I thought he navigated it well. I think with the Masters and, and really any golf, golf tournament, I think this is what you have to remind yourself. You can't win the Masters on Thursday, but I think you can lose it. Correct. Like you can play yourself out of contention. You just want to give yourself to be in a position, and I think obviously that's where Tiger is, right in the mix. Um, the last 13 Masters champs were inside the top 10 after round one. That's outstanding news mm-hmm. for you know all the guys at the top there. Tiger's outside of that. I think, What's he in? I think 11? friends are made to be broken, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, but I mean, seriously, like, I don't think he's that far out of the yeah, loop. No. Uh, the one trend that you haven't seen, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, a lot of times there's some no names at the top of the leaderboard, guys that get hot, they go low, and then you're like, who is this guy? And then he disappears. That is not the case with the superstars that are on this list. So it should make for a really fun, uh, weekend. How did Rory and, and, um, how did Rory play? He didn't play great, right? What about no. Jordan? Uh, Jordan did not play great. We're gonna get, well, let's get to Jordan in just right. a little bit. Okay. I do want to hit on Brooks Kepka because the reason I want to get to Brooks Kepka, we're not gonna make the same mistake that everybody else does. They overlook him. They don't give him the credit he deserves. My man is playing some of the best golf in this stretch, this mm-hmm. past year of golf that anybody in the history of golf has. And yet, it's always like, man, eh, well, does he have a chance to win? Maybe. I don't know. He's a bomber, but can he win here? The dude is playing lights out. And I think the best thing that he has going for him is that 
he does get overlooked because I think he's wearing yes. that chip on his shoulder and it's driving him. Yeah, and not just the chip on the shoulder. I mean, well, the, it is the chip on the shoulder, but there's no real pressure, you know, from from that position, right? right. And I guess that goes hand in hand with having a chip on your shoulder, right? There, it's going to be a less pressure uh, uh, environment for you, and it's easy to play from those. It's it's much easier being the hunter in most sports than being the hunted. That 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 is a rare air. People who can play from the front and they're always as a target on their back. That's what made Tiger so great. Yep. That's what makes MJ, Kobe, you know, LeBron. That's why those guys are so great because there's always a target on their back. You're always going to get everyone's A game. And so for Brooks, I'm with you too, dude. As talented as anybody out there and gets to play relatively loose and free. He's just going out there slinging it. His last six majors, he's had three wins and he's had a tied for 39th at last year's British. Then he had a t- uh, tie for 13th at the PGA, and he finished tied for 6th at the British Open uh, in 2017. It, it, talk about a stretch. It's been incredible. And yet, like when you watched, when you watch golf and you watch the commercials, it's Ricky Fowler, it's Jordan Spieth, it's Tiger Woods, understandably Tiger Woods. But a lot of these other young – like Ricky Fowler has not won a major yet, and he gets all the endorsements. I'm not hating on Ricky Fowler. But Brooks Kepka has said before, like it irritates him a well, little bit that he doesn't get more love. I, yeah, where like who else has? How many? No one. How many majors like, does Rory have? Uh, Rory had a bunch earlier. Okay, but he hasn't won in a long time. I'll look him up real quick. I mean, you know, Justin he, Thomas he, is a guy who gets a lot of love. He only has one major. I mean, or is it fair? Or could he one day? Could we be sitting around one day saying that he was the best golfer of this generation? If he keeps doing this, right. he's crushing it. Like, but remember, everybody else we talked like when Rory was younger has four majors. When he was winning those, we were having that conversation Correct. about Rory. Man, he could be the next Tiger. Man, could he challenge? No one has had that conversation around Brooks Kepka. And That's I, interesting. I don't. I my hunch is, and this is even I think he would admit this. And this has been this isn't just me that has speculated this before. I don't want to use the word phony. A lot of these other guys are very cordial, very likable with the media. They're, if they meet fans, they're really nice. They're outgoing. That's not who Brooks Kepke is. He's not as like a likable personality. Sure. That doesn't make him not a good person. It doesn't make him a good friend or whatever, but he just, he's, he's not, not as be, marketable as those guys. I think that's probably why he doesn't get as much play. Cause I like him. Like he's been nice to me. I will say this though. I've interviewed him twice. The first time was on the radio. We weren't in person, and it was a little bit like pulling teeth. You know, like you know, we we do interviews a lot. Oh. You sit down with different guys. Sometimes it's like, man, is this a good interview? And you're like, this is probably boring. You're getting mm-hmm. a lot of cliches. It was a little bit like that the first time. The second time I interviewed him was in person. Had about five minutes before we did the interview to kind of interact a little bit. He loosened up, and it was a good interview. Like I was like, hey, this guy needs to show this side of his personality. Sure. I think he's learning a little bit that hey, he can help himself by being. Just a little bit more open, a little Absolutely. bit more honest. Um, and I think that's helping him, but I think he's still got a long way to go to catch up to Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. Like Jordan Spieth is, yes, sir, no, ma'am, like, you know, speak yeah, nice to everybody. I won't ever be offended by any question. Brooks will get asked questions and be like, you know, you, you can tell he thinks that's a dumb question. He's not going to fake it. <laughs> I and I think like that's that, hurt though. him. Me too. I, I like, I like authenticity. Right. You know, I always say I'm always wary of a dude who's never having a bad day. Right. You know, every time you see him, it's, hey, bud. I mean, look, maybe right. you're built like that. I'm not, but it always gives me some reservations when I see a guy like that. So I have no problem get, having a guy get to the podium and being annoyed at a question or having an attitude or, you know, whatever, because I'm like that. I wake up. I don't want to be here today. Right. I love my job. I did not right. want to be here. I right. was pissed. I came in and I was like, Coca, I don't want, I don't want to be because here. Because you're normal. Yeah. You're a normal human right. being. That's one thing I think superstar athletes and professional athletes 
always feel like they have to act a certain way. I was probably like that. Like I never wanted to see, I never wanted to complain about anything in front of the media. Right. I would do it behind the scenes, but I always wanted to try to present myself the best way possible. That's not everybody's MO. That's not what they want to do. I think what would be fascinating, there's an interesting story line developing. If Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau continue to tear it up, I would love to see these dudes play together on Sunday because speaking of interviews, Brooks Kepka was pretty outspoken about Bryson DeChambeau's really? philosophy. Bryson DeChambeau is known as a professor. When he's out in the course, it is painfully slow. Terminal velocity oh, yeah. with his the air density. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's looking at all these different calculations and you know what happens? You play slow when you're thinking about this. Brooks Kepka is a guy who likes to just get up there. Let me hit it. Like right. I just want to get through this round. He gets a little bit annoyed. He was critical of Bryce, really? of Brooks Kepka. Or, or excuse me, of Bryson DeChambeau. Called him out, was pretty critical of him. Bryson DeChambeau had to respond to him. And I just think it's one of those things that could really be interesting if it plays out. I don't know if they gen- like, I don't know It'd if they fun. hate each other, I, but I bet they don't, but I don't think they like playing each other because yeah. we've all played with people that are slow. And if you're not a slow player, it gets annoying. And you're like, come on already. I asked Brooks Kepka about it. He's like, you know what I do? It's like, I go slower than that guy. Oh, which I thought was a great mind game. It's like, I'll even go into the bathroom, like, uh-huh. and just wait in there and like, wash my hands a little extra longer. Make him wait on me. Like, he like reverse, he flips guy. the script on him. Right. So I would love to see that happen. Danny, you didn't even bring up the biggest storyline. What is the biggest storyline? Brooks Kepka's weight loss. How did it affect his play? Well, see, that was maybe my most favorite part of his round mm-hmm. is that Brandel Chambly from the Golf Channel crushed him. Like it was, but it felt like it was a scorching hot Hot take? Yeah. Like just a scorcher. Just like it was like clicks. sizzling yeah. still. Because Brooks Kepka had this photo shoot with ESPN, the body issue, where you're fully in the buff, right? Mm-hmm. You're naked. So if I was going to do it, I'd want to make sure I shed it a few. Yeah, shred, Everybody shred up, would. Shred up, right. Everybody right. would. He lost 24 pounds. He said he had a strict diet of 1,800 calories to get in this shape mm-hmm. for the shoot. So Brandel Chambly called it reckless career sabotage. By him being, and he called it a vanity shoot, saying he was more worried about how he looked for the photo shoot than his golf game. Here's where I, like, so? Right. So would he look good? A lot of people would. How about we let him play first before we go out there with this hot take, right? Because if he would have shot an 80, then I would have had no problem. I mean, I probably still would have been a dumb take, but it would make more sense. Before you've seen him play, why don't you let it play out first? Brandel Chambly, guess whose golf game it is? Brooks Kepka. Brooks. Right. If Brooks wants to destroy it, guess what Brooks is allowed to do? Destroy. It's his golf game. And, and Brandel, I've had my beef with Brandel in the past for the, uh. Yeah, well, cause he's been after Tiger. Tiger can't stand I, him. I feel like he just says, he just says the wildest stuff that he can think of. And he Some wants, guys in our you know business I mean? like, tend that's to do what that. He does. So, yes. you know, hey, you're, that's your lane. I ain't got no beef with you, but I'm not, I, I mean, I guess I'm not going to validate anything he says with a, a, Correct. a response to it. Well, I, here's the, here's the one area I could tell you where it kind of the criticism came from. David Duvall was the number one player in the world and he was a little bit doughy. Like he didn't, he didn't have the best figure. Right. Then one offseason he comes back and he's chiseled and it's like, who is that guy? I think Nike gave him a new wardrobe. Right. Like he lost the glasses. I think he did LASIK. Yeah. He went, it's like, he, he went he full makeover. Right. But see, Brooks Kepka hasn't changed that much. He's always been a lifter. Right. Like him and Dustin Johnson famously, like before they played at Shinnecock, yeah, buddy, final round, they were in there the doing bo- You don't get to the body issue by being a doughy dude. Right. You were exactly. already kind of, you exactly. know. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So he just, he just, uh, he just, you know, cleaned it up a little bit. Uh, you know what else the surprising story was? Another one who we probably might have slept on 
was Phil Mickelson. And I think it's a great storyline. Again, you talk about ideal pairings. I would love to see Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. And who else would you want to see but Phil and Tiger paired together on Sunday? Even if it was the second-to-last group or third-to-last group, whatever it was. But right now, Phil lights out. Five under. He's in second place right now. Really had it going. Caught on fire on the back nine. Uh, second nine, excuse me. On the second nine. Currently Ooh. in third place. Seven birdies on the round. He was... He had it. He had it going. Bill feels like he's hot or cold. There's no real middle ground for me. What do you got? Alert for what? I, I said it. I caught it. What happened? I caught. He, he just reminded me to say the second night. I caught it. Second night. It's subliminal. I just got to get I you. I want to ask you a question because I was thinking this watching Tiger's round. Do you remember Tiger ever chewing gum? I'm so glad you brought that up. I tweeted it out while him and Phil. Yeah, I was just looking at Phil too. They're both so, chewing gum. Here's my, I have a couple philosophies on this because it's not normal. Right. Like they do, they've never done that throughout I've their career. Seen. And then to see two of them do it on the biggest stage and it looked like it was a bigger piece of gum. Right. Like they were chewing. They were chomping <laughs> yeah. on some gum. I have a couple different philosophies. So cause I actually tweeted out a bunch of different comments. Right. It's a bunch of conspiracy theories. Um, is it, a, I think it could be a performance based type of gum. Like it could be a gator gum. Okay. I don't know if that's what it is. All right, I don't know if I should even give this one because I don't, I don't want anybody to see <laughs> okay. But, like, there is some Nicorette gum. There's been a lot of studies that Nicorette helps you uh, focus, focus yeah. and stay mentally in there. I don't know if it's something along those lines, uh-huh. and that's why they're doing it. Another, A bunch of other people said uh, there are statistics that prove if you just chew any gum, it helps you relieve stress. Uh, it keeps you in the okay. moment. But there's definitely something where I think they're not just, let me throw in a piece of gum. Because I, I think you know these guys are so dialed in. Right. I think there's a purpose to it. I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see if anybody in the press uh, round after asked him. I'm gonna have to research that because I was fascinated by it too. Athletes either chew gum or they don't. Right. You don't see a dude, even basketball players. You don't see a dude just randomly throw a piece of gum in his mouth just because. Right. It, it does. It doesn't happen. You either like playing with gum in your mouth or you don't like playing with what gum you, in your mouth. You? I did not like playing with gum in my mouth, and I tried. You know, it was same with mouthpieces. You either like right. them or you don't. Did you so, wear a mouthpiece? No. Right. And so, you know, when I saw Tiger, and I've watched him play a lot of golf, same with Phil. And I was, I, th- at first I was, is he joined? Yeah. Joined gum. He's Wasn't it like, weird? He's joined gum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, again, it was not a subtle chew. It was an all out chew. Right. Um, I used to chew big red pregame. Okay. Very specific. Cause they'd actually have juicy fruit. Uh, they'd have the green one spearmint and they'd have big red. I'd always get two sticks of big red for pregame. I'd wear that. To, I'd chew that during pregame. Right. But never because I was always worried if I got hit, I would swallow and choke on it. Uh, that was like a very legitimate fear. Yep. So I was like, "There's no way I'm chewing gum during the game." But I liked like having fresher breath, like having a fresh mouth, right? You know. So I was like, "I'll chew gum uh, before the game." I hated mouthpieces, yeah. And it was required in college. You were supposed to wear one, so I'd actually keep it right here in my belt, like mm-hmm. in my loop. So if you needed so they, it, you well, just... the official would be like, "Hey, where's your mouth?" You're like, "Right here." Yep. Boop, <laughs> pop it in for one play, and then right back right. in because I couldn't communicate. Like, right. I had to be able to talk. I was like, like you just couldn't talk with a mouthpiece. Now they're a little bit better. Better with it. You know who might need some chewing gum? Jordan Spieth. Because you asked about him before. It got a little bit sideways. He had a 40 on the first nine. Got a little bit together on the second nine. But he's tied for 63rd right now. He's uh, uh, He has shot a, a three over on the day. He had three bogeys and a double bogey on the first nine. It just, he's off. Yeah. All I can say about him is that he looks off. And this probably, this is more in tune with what he's been doing over the last year. Than it is, hey, he's been great at the Masters. And that's what the one thing I was hoping for with him, a course that he's had a lot of success with, maybe get it on track. But like a par three that's relatively benign and a simple par three, like the one we're seeing on our highlight. Yeah. To miss that bad 
for a guy like him is very odd. There's something off with his swing and his putting. Yeah, I, I more phys- I mean it is physical, but I think it stems from he he's got something mentally going on right now. When you're when you're overthinking it, that's when you you know, when you're overthinking your jump shot, you can't you can't do what you need to do. Like usually, you know, you you've taken yourself completely out of rhythm. Um you, you've concentrated way too much on one part of the shot than the other part of the shot. Now, you know, you can't make them and the golf swing is even more important to be in sequence and have your timing down. And so if you're if if you're if you're if you have thoughts during the swing um and you're overthinking it, that that's when you have yourself all kind of different misses. And I see that with with uh with Jordan, as soon as he hits the ball, it's like he knows it was uncomfortable. He didn't like the swing and for me, that's a mental thing. Yeah, I think so too. It's kind of, it's painful to watch good players struggle because you know it's just that internal battle that's taking place and it's painful to watch. Yep. Somebody who's been there a lot in Correct. my career, it's just hard because right. you know how bad it is and how hard it is to get out of that. Sometimes all it takes is a good shot. So we'll have to see if that we will keep you connected throughout the Masters all, not only all show long, but all day long. Uh, you can catch all of it at tbssports.com slash masters live. We have our featured groups. Zach Johnson, Ian Poulter, Matt Kuchar are right now on there. You got Amen Corner. You got holes 15 and 16. Anything you need, we got you covered uh, right here at CBS Sports uh, HQ. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Let's do a little NFL as the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, this team has been kind of the it's I was gonna say the laughing stock because of just all the stuff that's been going on. And it goes back all the way back, I would say, to when Antonio Brown did the Facebook Live in the locker room after the mm-hmm. you know, playoff game. Uh, that's kind of where it, where it started. And then it's kind of snowballed from there. They've had issues with the anthem in their locker room. They've had ant- issues with Antonio Brown on the sideline. Then they have the very real issue of him demanding a trade. Then you have Le'Veon Bell sits out. Like it's issue after issue after issue. It's gotten to a point now where I think it's really gotten ugly. Mm-hmm. And it's not good for anybody, any party involved because you're seeing a lot of different names dragged through the mud, right? Um, so yesterday, Richard Mendenhall, former running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, is going on this long, extended Twitter rant, just kind of on the Steelers situation. I think he's trying to defend professional athletes in general, saying Antonio Brown gets too much of the criticism. And then he brought in, like, this nuclear bomb and just dropped it on everything. Yeah. Because he sent this tweet. Somebody asked him in this back and forth. They challenged him. They said to Richard. They, they said, coming from a guy who quit on the team versus San Diego, why don't you tell us what would make a guy quit? Like, so he's obviously the guy's taking a shot sure. at him. <clears throat> so he comes back. He's obviously he's getting into that mode in Twitter, which can happen yeah, where you start get getting, hot. you get triggered. Mm-hmm. Says, all right, I'll end the mystery. B's racist and Antonio Brown's black. He had to catch balls from a racist quarterback. Every honest player knows it. It's not a big deal. He was just supposed to take his lickings and move on like a slave. For real. That to me, when I saw that, I was like, first of all, I was really depressed because I cannot stand, like nobody has a good conversation on race, it seems anymore. Like there's never progress made. There's always accusations made. People leave feeling angrier. Uh, and it feels like the divide keeps getting worse and worse. Instead of, you would hope as a country, we would be progressing. 
and said we take steps back. And it's like, it just bums me out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it affects me less as a white guy, you know? Like, it's just, but this, these accusations are about as serious as you can get for Ben Roethlisberger. And it becomes really problematic because the worst thing, you, you can get accused of being selfish. You can get accused of being lazy. You can get accused of whatever you want to do, a, a, a cheater on your wife, anything. If you're accused of a racist, you will lose a team. You will lose your respect faster than anything in life in general. But in the NFL locker room, that's your livelihood. Yeah. Um, oh, that's tough, man. I don't, here's what I'll say. I don't know Ben Rosselsberger personally. I've met him. Um, he came to the Suns facility. One of our, our, our head trainer, Aaron Nelson, was a huge Pittsburgh fan. So when they were in town, he came in and hung out with the team and stuff. I don't know him like that. Typically, if you have a guy in your locker room, who has an issue socially, whether it be racist tendencies or what have you, guys know. Right. I mean, you, you don't hide stuff like that. Guys know. Now, they if you're a good enough player and you mean enough to an organization, guys might te- might not tell, but guys typically know. Um, so I'm going to just leave that at that. I don't. I I, I don't know. Um, that's a mess for for Ben Roethlisberger for Roethlisberger for the Steelers. I found it interesting, and I'm uh, you know you got Ramon Foster and Marquise Pouncey. And, and I'm sure you tried to bring some voice of reason to this. And it was great sage advice. I, th- I thought it was fantastic, but I thought the fact that they are in the media doing it is exactly what you're asking people to stop doing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like if you were going to come out and say, Hey, let's keep this stuff behind closed doors, reach out to people personally, don't air business in the streets. Guys have to answer to these questions. You, you did it through the media. It's what, just go to Richard Mendenhall and have that conversation. If it's Antonio Brown you're talking about, have that personal conversation. Don't be the pot calling the kettle black. But here's where I do think they had to do something because of the seriousness of the allegations. Like, because their quarterback was called a racist. And I, this, they didn't, well, they you know, didn't you know what I found was, you know what I found was interesting? They didn't deny it. Right. They didn't, they didn't come out and be it. like, nah, Ben's my dude. He's not, I, you know, well, I find anybody, that interesting. If anybody hasn't seen it, Ramon Foster and Marquise Pouncey put out this tweet together. Uh, and they put out a post, an Instagram post. They actually wrote a little note and it said, moving forward, any player or affiliate of the Steelers who has an issue with anyone still in the locker room, please contact us directly so you can feel free to talk to us. Whoever you have an issue, we'll make sure you get their numbers. So you can address them directly. I promise these might media types might give y'all good traffic on your social media outlets, but the guys still in that locker room who y'all still know personally have to answer for those comments. Basically, they're saying enough, chill. That's in their words at one point. Yeah, but you're talking, how many people are they talking to? I think they are. T- well, so how many people you think they're talking to? There, there only been what five, four dudes. That but here's the here's where it goes. Like when I when I was at the Super Bowl, when you mm-hmm. and I were at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you had uh, Heinz Ward, you have Ryan Clark works in the business. All had great all... opportunities to do it, haven't done it yet. Done what? Throwing them under the bus. Well, they've been critical. I don't think they've oh, that's okay. Plus, right? Look, critical and then and 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 Aaron dirty laundry are two different things. Right. I Crit- think I think indirectly this was a shot at Antonio Brown too. Like, hey, but that's what I'm he saying. May not be here. So, but- so my point is, if if look, some people's job is to sit up there and and give honest opinions and evaluations. Right. In our business, yeah, you're supposed. That's to. That's one thing, and I'm allowed to do that. Whether you Marquise Pouncey or Ramon Foster like it or not, this is my job. I'm going to do that. When I start airing dirty laundry and, and calling people names and accusing people of things in a building, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother set of uh, 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 of information. To those people, you get to say this. And what I would say is say this to them personally. The right. same way that you're saying they need to address it personally, go find those few people who have made these accusations and say to them personally behind closed doors, hey, let's cut the BS. Uh, Coke and I had an argument yesterday. 
uh, before the show because we were talking about Richard Mendenhall's tweet, who, by the way, dropped this bombshell, let it sit for three hours, and then came back and said his tweet was, clearly it's no fun when everyone's the accused. Please allow the dialogue in sports to be equal. Why is it so easy to shoot at one player but not the other? B's not racist, just like AB's not a dirtbag. If he used this racist comment to prove a point, that's really messed up. That's yes, correct. Because it's already the damage has already yes. been done. Like Don't three, like, and it's out there forever. Now people are going to ask that question, which I think is really not cool yep. uh, when it goes out there. Um, but it's just again, like I like if, at some point Ben Roethlisberger probably has to come out and say something. Yeah, he's going to have to address this. Oh, so Co- uh, back to my, I forgot where I was going, but I've got to, I remembered. So Coca said. Because uh, somebody asked Richard Mendesall, said, we need more context. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw around racist and not tell us why you think that. And Coke was like, no, no, no. He has his opinion. I think Richard Mendesall, if he would have stood by that, should have said, you know, whatever. Whatever he would have said that would have been proof of that. I think he would have – I think it would have been – I think it's reckless to throw around racist without – providing some evidence of what that looks I like. I tend to agree with you. You know, like that's a really serious That's a huge accusation, yeah. Uh, and if, and if you if you really believe that and you can support that, that's one thing. If that's just an opinion because a guy listens to a certain kind of music and chooses to to, you know, drive a certain kind of car and wear a certain type of jean, if that's what you're basing it off of, that that is purely uh speculation and and wildly uh reckless. But if you have if you have something to substantiate your claim, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Exactly. Put it out. Right, right. Then do it yeah. and put some words to it and then right. make Ben Roethlisberger like defend himself or whatever. I'm with you. I'm with you on um, that. You know, speaking of, of not tweeting out stuff, not saying anything, uh, Nick Bosa, Ohio State defensive end, who's going to be probably the first, second or third pick in the NFL draft, being on who selects him, made an interesting decision. I think it was the smart decision. A lot mm-hmm. of people think it's controversial. So he went and deleted his old tweets. Uh, he had some tweets in the past, which were supportive of Donald Trump, critical of Colin Kaepernick. Beyonce, Black Panther, other topics that are very controversial, especially the president one, especially Colin Kaepernick. Like those are the two divisive. He doesn't like Black Panther. You go hate on Black Panther though. Well, well I was gonna. Say, well, that likes the most inconsequential of all these. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, I, I thought you. Black Panther was good. I didn't think it was Oscar worthy. Yeah, I hear that, you. That, that, that's that's going to be a racist. Movie, I hope, right? <laughs> but so the Donald Trump and Colin Kaepernick right. ones, I totally understand why he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think. It's part of our society that's really messed up. Like, why can't we just let somebody have their opinion? And then you kind of know what that person is and what they believe in. And you can make your assumption there. But I think what he's scared of is being labeled a racist because he had supported Donald Trump and been against Colin Kaepernick. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he should be worried about that. Right. Um, Especially of, in an uh, NFL it, locker room where it's 70% African-American. Absolutely. And they probably have very opposing views of you. It's hard to take that back now, though, bro. You might right. be taking it down, but everybody kind of knows. Um, I do see him and Colin Kaepernick as being in two different lanes, though. Um, Colin Kaepernick lost his 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 livelihood for the stance he made, but he chose to make the stance on his job. Right, right. And, and well, so though this I can, about, but this isn't about Kaepernick. He called Kaepernick a clown. No, no, no. I know, you know but what, what I mean? I, but what I'm saying is, I, I don't. So while it was okay, it's not okay for for the Colin Kaepernick situation. Colin Kaepernick put himself in a really precarious situation by doing what he did. Right. I don't think Nick should have to 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 really worry about his livelihood from from tweets. I don't. I don't necessarily right. think that's fair. No that's one opinion. should. Um. You know. It, it, and I'm. I my wife. Um. It, we're. She's white. Right. And. You know, when the whole, you know, last presidential campaign came around, um, you know, people obviously tweet where they stand and so on and so forth. You know, and my, and my wife, 
um, you know, I'm not going to get into politics, but whatever side she was on, like she, she had a lot of friends that didn't share her views. Right. And it, it, it really upset her. It hurt her. And, you know, I said to her at the time, I would much rather know who I'm dealing with than not know who I'm dealing with. Right. So I've got no problem with you saying your piece and letting everybody know how you feel. Um, I, I then know and I can act accordingly. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to hurt my feelings. I don't have to agree with you. But I would much rather you be in my face with the way you feel about stuff than hiding and, and, and kind of doing it behind my back. So right. I have no problem with Nick. Look, do I, I don't have to agree with it. Right. But I, that's your opinion. Right. He pulled it back, which I think he didn't want the backlash. Because what have we done with every – like I think this is actually a smart play. Because – and granted, we've had more serious issues where they're digging up dirt that's a lot worse than saying Colin Kaepernick's a clown. Sure. I mean, Josh Allen, quarterback for the Bills. Remember they found the N-word you know, from when he was 13 and 14? So I actually think he's kind of being – taking the smart decision and saying, let me get anything that's any controversy. Yeah, out of there. Let me get it out of there. Just scrub my account. I would say Correct. just delete your account. You probably said some stupid things over the I, – I know I have. You know, like just, just well, delete if it Nick, all. If Nick Bosa was really smart – once he went to OSU and realized that he was going to potentially be, he would have scrubbed it and stopped tweeting back then. <laughs> right. If you were really smart. But yeah, this is damage control at this point, And I'm, I'm okay with it. Cause you're, look, you're, you're auditioning to be one of the number one picks in the NFL draft. You want as little for there to be to, you want a, a, as little information out there that could hurt that as possible. So scrubbing your account and doing all of that is just, is just making sure that, uh, you've checked those boxes. I'm okay with that. His most offensive thing that I think he said. Beyonce's music, quote, complete trash. <laughs> how dare he? How dare he? Queen shot. B, exactly. how dare you? Exactly. Interesting situation uh, in Sacramento. Sacramento's been a little bit of a mess, but they do have a really talented young roster sure. uh, that's there. But uh, Vlade Divac is trying to get more power. He's decided to make a, a coaching change by firing uh, Dave Yeager, their head coach. They make the change. Kind of interesting to see. This is sort of life in 2019 that he did not find out from Vlade or anybody else in the organization. He found out on Twitter, on yeah. social media, like everybody else. I would normally say this is really messed up, but in today's environment, it's almost impossible to keep things under wraps. I know. I, a lot of, there's a lot on this one. Jaeger has, has got the short end of the stick in two coaching situations. It happened to him in Memphis and now it happened to him again in Sacramento. I, I don't. I mean, they were better than they were last year. I mean, how many games? They were 12 games better than they were last year. He had a young roster with no real, that, that team was not going to win right now. I mean, they, they, they won enough games for him to be a viable coach. They, they don't have any vets that, that really can hold you down and are ready to win right now. All of those kids' windows are in front of them. Um, in terms of, of, of you having to go in and be fired after you already know you're fired, I know it's, it's Adrian Wojnarowski's job. But do you ever feel guilty for like, <laughs> like you're, 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 you're putting, like, do you ever feel guilty about that? Like get a guy a chance to be fired and then report it. And I know that's how he makes his living. So I'm not really hating on it, but I would hate to be the dude that makes the living by letting you know you got fired before you got fired. If you're Woj, would you go to, to Jaeger himself first? I probably would. Hey, this? listen, just FYI, I was just told. I don't know. I just don't love it. It actually maybe. would be. I do talk about a way to grow relations because a lot of this is networking these, you know, and maybe he does that. Right. But I mean, but Jaeger said he found out via social media. Oh, yeah, well. You know? uh, but, I mean, I, it's funny because all coaches and players, they all follow Woj because they want to find out I on know. Twitter as soon as they can, uh, when they get to that position. I think this, this whole 
this whole organization. I think Vivek Ranadive, the uh, yeah. the owner, not the best owner. The, I think Vladdy's in a spot because sort of like Magic was with the Lakers. I think he's like a former guy who was, you know, has a, a, a good personality. He was right. famous at one time. And that's why he's running this organization, him trying to get more power. I think that's a dysfunctional franchise. I don't know if it's that great of a gig, even though you do have some young, talented players. Um as a coach, yeah, I would be concerned. It's been a mess. Everyone wanted to hang that up and, and roll it up and hang it on Boogie's neck as, as to why there was so much dysfunction there. And I'm sure Boogie played his role in that. But I thought that usually starts from the top. And to your point, Vivek Renadive a couple of years ago when I was with the Cavs, he he, he was telling all the owners um, that his daughter's basketball team, team. Yeah. yeah played where they left one person cherry back cherry picking and why can't that be work, worked out in the NBA I mean when you're and saying he was serious he was dead serious when you're saying and lobbying for stuff like that to happen on the NBA level it's just a little insight into the way things are are being handled there in Sacramento and I don't know Vladdy or you know when I was in Cleveland I didn't I wasn't the one on the phone you know I didn't have to deal with with those guys so I don't know you know his his acumen and stuff like that for the job I, I can't speak to it um but their roster again is 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 littered with young talent, super young talent. You, you, if you want to win and you want to give a guy a chance to win as a coach, you, you have to start supplementing that with guys that can help them win now, right? Guys that, whose windows are, are wide open and 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 that are already viable NBA players, not guys that are, you're still trying to make a decision on. Vivek was uh, featured on 60 Minutes. This is probably like five or six years ago, and I remember I was watching it. And I kind of tuned in. I'd missed the pre, like the opener, mm-hmm. and I just watched it. And there's this guy. And he's talking all about youth basketball, girls basketball. And, you know, he's kind of bragging how he turned around this team and they had, they were the worst team in the league, uh, the year before. And then he took over them. And I'm thinking like, why is this such a big deal? Yeah. And then I don't know if it was like Leslie Stahl, one of the reporters, she's like, and now he wants to take that game plan to the NBA. Right. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> and then she's like, this is the owner of the Sacramento Kings. I right. just, just uh, recently purchased him and not that long ago. And like, and he was dead serious. And I'm thinking, what are NBA players going to think when you said, when you like leave a guy back? Are you yeah. kidding me? Are you kidding it, me? Uh, it was, and uh, that's exactly what they think. Are you kidding me? Right. But I think that gives you a little bit of a glimpse and decide what they're dealing with in Sacramento. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of teams that are undergoing some change. The Cavs, uh, the Cleveland Cavs, uh, despite signing Larry Drew to a multi-year contract back in uh, November, uh, have gone ahead and mutually agreed to part ways. Yeah. Uh, they announced in a statement on Thursday, I mean, this organization looks like it's still reeling from the wake that was left behind from LeBron. Is this an attractive gig? I mean, I guess if you get the number one pick, you get Zion. All of a sudden it becomes way more compelling. That w- it would be way more attractive if that was the case. You still have, you still have Kevin Love. Right. Um, no, I, I again, one, two players. He's not a one. Do you no. think he's a one? I, no. No, okay, no, 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 no. So you need more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know what their cap situation is like. It would be an attractive gig if I was one of these names that are on my list. Um, Alex Jensen, um, David Vanterpool, friend of mine, played with them in the CBA, really good <laughs> dude. Uh, Kobe, if you get a chance to hire Dave, hire. Um, you know, if you were, if you were trying to get your first gig, get your feet wet and get your, you know, get your feet in the door, it would be, any job would be great. You know what I mean, Dan? Like you, if you're, if you're on a great staff that's winning and you can be selective, um, as an assistant coach trying to be a first time head coach, good for you. Most other guys, you gotta take that job when it comes up. 
You got to take your job and make the most of it when it pops up. So Cleveland might be a situation like that for some of these guys. Uh, maybe not ideal. Would probably like to go to a team with a little bit more talent, a little bit more stability. But it's my opportunity to get my get my foot in the door as a head coach, so I'm going to take it. But in terms of pure talent, um, yeah, nah. Uh, you know, and Debo just uh, sent a, uh, sent me a G chat here. Said Cleveland has no cap room this. Summer. No cap. Room. Have fun with that. Yeah, they they're in a they're in a spot. But Kobe Altman, I want to be fair to Kobe. Um, who was groomed by David Griffin and those guys there. I think he's done a good job. I think he got, you know, his hands were tied when he got it, the way it was handled by ownership when they let go of David Griffin. The the situation with Larry Drew, I think Larry Drew told them at the time he wouldn't take the job um, after they fired Tyron Lue unless they were to bump his pay up and give him some, you know, give him another year on it. So he almost had to do that. I think he's making the most of a, of a really bad situation that was handed to him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Grizzlies also shaking up some things in the front office. They've dismissed their coach, Davey Bickerstaff, and have reassigned GM Chris Wallace to a scouting capacity in the front office. League sources told ESPN. Interesting move there. It's again, top down. Right. When, when you, you know, when you're rolling all the heads underneath you. Yeah. It's usually not all their fault, man. That stuff starts. From the top, right? You know, and they saving your own, yeah, saving your own butt, uh, and getting letting go of some other guys. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell, hanging out here on Friday, Masters Friday. So I'm looking here up the weather conditions in Augusta. Okay, this morning I saw a lot of umbrellas on the course, a little bit of rain. It's good to see they're still out on the course. It says 40 percent chance of storms today, 40 percent chance of storms tomorrow, and then this is the worst forecast of all. Sunday, it doesn't. It just says thunderstorms no percentage Yo. it's like a lock for that here's the thing I, the concern i have for tiger mm-hmm. with those types of conditions with his health yep injuries totally. like i thought humidity would have been great for him that's one of the reasons he played great yesterday it was warmer mm-hmm. no rain stay out the course the whole time if it's raining and they're not leaving the course and it's humid and it's just muggy and there's some rain it's fine. fine if they go out there an hour and they have to shut it down for two Get warmed up, go back out. You know, yep. if that's one of those types of weekends, that doesn't bode well. And I mean, it still doesn't mean I root for him, but that's not a good situation for somebody who's had as many neck and back and joint issues because those things start to tighten up. And age in general, but especially someone with a little bit of age that's been injured, right. it becomes really, really hard to stay in a groove, stay loose enough. And, and you know, Tiger Tigers loves to tell you about his kinetic chain and the glutes not firing and all of that. Like yes. it's hard to keep them firing when you're shut down and shut on and turned on and shut down and turned on. Speaking of back issues, I really feel awful for guys. Did you see Jason Day? Who Jason Day on the second hole was had his PT guy out there, his therapist, and he was on his back and he was doing this. I was like, I know those stretches really well. He had tweaked his back before the round, and so he was. If you watched him, I. I was really ginger and like he was really like his practice swings were like really robotic. His back is messed up. Interesting. Still not too under though. So I'm not crazy because I saw him go down to pick a ball up out of he the was, hole. He was hardly like, and I've been in that spot. Yeah. You got to like really bend your knees. Yeah. You bend over. He would, that was the things he's dealing Cause with. Cause my, my back is jacked. So he, when he did it, I was like, man, he looks like me picking that ball up. What's exactly. wrong with him? That's, that's that, why that's that exactly sense. what I felt too. You that's, know, and it's hard. It's not yeah. easy to play that way. Uh, but he still managed to go, I'll uh, finish the round two under. Wait, now, now back injuries aren't funny. But when it's my what? back that's hurt, it's okay. <laughs> Everybody laughs at me. Let's see but what happens. Jason Day's hurt. I get He's it. Out there. He didn't take days off. He didn't go to an acupuncturist. He's yeah. still fighting through it. I wonder if Jason Day He's has a playing st- golf, bro. You're sitting oh. in a control room. I wonder if Jason Day has a standing desk at his <laughs> house because Coke is the only one around here. He's got Coke, one of those. I like, yeah, I like the standing desk. Guys. I, like I think it's just me having to carry like the, the show. Desk. I think that's what it is, is I carry the show and it just oh. Oh. It hurts a little bit, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, 
right now at six under, we've got Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. We talked about earlier about uh, the Masters winner the last 13 years has come out of the top 10. Mm-hmm. Do you think either one of these guys could go wire to wire and lead it throughout and win it? I would say if it's anybody, it'd be Brooks yeah. because he's got the experience there before. I don't know. I just think there's a lot that can happen. I don't think they'll go wire to wire. I think maybe what they could drop back a little bit and then maybe come back to the win. Right. But you just rarely see a guy just zone in the zone that much. There's going to be a day where you lose it a little bit. It's just a matter of how much do you lose of that yeah. lead and can you get it back. I feel like the Masters is one of those tournaments, and I have no real data to substantiate this. Right. The guys who hop out early typically don't win it right. or go wire to wire. There's always somebody sitting at like third or fourth that, that – will pop up today or, or maybe early tomorrow and they usually win it. So I, I don't, I wouldn't take either one of those two. If you gave me those two or the field, I'd probably take the field. Jordan Spieth, does he fight back enough to make the cut? Cause I mean, at three over, he's not one in the tournament. What's the cut line right now? Well, it always depends. It's funky because it's the top, I don't want to screw this up, the top 40 and ties. And then, but there's also a 10 uh, shot rule mm-hmm. where if there's, if there's a guy who takes off, it's only guys that are within 10 shots of that. Oh, so wow. the cut could be much more severe based on how low the best score is. Does yeah. that make sense? So, yeah. like, that's where I'm worried about Jordan Spieth. He's got to make sure he stays within 10 shots I think Jordan of the makes leaders. The I think if, he, if he, he'd have to go three under today, get back to even. He was three over yesterday. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't have much confidence in doing that, watching his – No. And watching no. his – Body language, mental, like you can see when a guy loses his confidence and it looks like he's a guy who's, you know, trying to still, you know, fight those demons. You can make a swing tweak or a tweak on the greens, putt in the ball or something in a, in a, in a a session, a range session after, after, uh, your round. You don't gain, you don't just click your confidence back on. That's something that's done over rehabbing over weeks and months. Do you know what I mean? And his looked like less of a mechanical thing that he had to work through and more of a, of a, of a major, uh, all right, how, block how about our boy Tiger Woods? What about Predict, it? Predicted finish. I'm saying top 10 is a lock. Ooh. I'm saying he's going to finish top 10. I'm not going to say he wins. I don't think he wins. I, I really, I would love to see it happen. Again, I hope he's there. I hope it happens on the weekend. I like a little matchup right here, though, for a, a prop bet that I'm looking at considering taking. I love these man-to-man battles mm-hmm. that take place. Should I take Tiger to beat John Rahm, who was playing pretty good yesterday as well? No. You wouldn't touch it. No. Really? No. You feel like Rom's got it going Rom, a little bit. Dude, Rom did not birdie a par five yesterday. But still, Tiger missed a ton of birdies as well. I, I, no, I know, but I don't know. Uh-uh. No, I wouldn't take it. <laughs> I might take it. All right. I, I can actually get Tiger, but I don't even, I'd want to do it straight up, but I get him at minus 110. I'm taking it. Right. I'm, taking, I'm taking Tiger against John Rom. I think I ask good. Like my wife. I think he's hey, how it. did these pants look? Hey. I love them. I take them off. I hate the way they look. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Uh, Phil Mickelson just teed off. Uh, he's in the next feature group. Make sure you check it out. CBSSports.com slash Masters Live. Uh, stay tuned all day long. you got Amen Corner, holds 15 and 16, and several featured groups. That's just the latest. Matt Kuchar and Zach Johnson just birdied the second. Uh, you can follow all the action throughout the day. We'll be on the couch watching it. We'll be here to break it down on Monday. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. Wear some sloppy. Wear some old beaters. Yeah, I ain't wearing any nice shoes up beaters, there because I heard yeah. it does get muddy mm-hmm. i'll be up there i'm gonna try to sneak a picture at some point but not with my phone and i'm gonna find out i'm gonna get to the bottom of the chewing gum i'm okay. gonna go yeah, i'm gonna please. find out what they're doing that's your and mission then we might be doing the show from now on with gum, with gum. yeah we might do it <laughs> enjoy the masters good luck to everyone competing